listening to the Uflourish Church Podcast, a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic church from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, dedicated to helping you flourish in your faith. For more information about our mission and how you can get involved, please visit www.uflourishchurch.org. Good morning. Merry Christmas to all. Uh, my name is Curtis. I serve as one of the pastors at Uflourish Church and uh, excited to see uh, many of you out for worship today on a Christmas morning, a frigid Christmas morning nonetheless, but uh, God is good. God is good. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, as I was putting the sermon together, there was a, a story that, that came across that I began to reminisce on. This is a story uh, told of a, of a zoo that was noted for their great collection of diverse animals. Uh, and, and, and one day, the gorilla died. And to keep up with the appearance of a full range of diverse uh, collection of animals, the zookeeper hired a man to wear a gorilla suit and fill in for uh, the dead animal. And what ends up happening is on, on his first day, he comes in, he's dressed up in this gorilla suit, and he's trying to figure out how to get all the gorilla movements together. And so he's, he's, he's struggling a little bit to get all the movements together. And next thing you know, he ends up stumbling a little bit. He makes his way to the edge of the wall, and he ends up falling into the lion's den. And when he falls into the lion's den, he starts screaming, oh, my God, somebody help me, help me, help me. And to the lion stood up and said, man, you need to be quiet or you're going to get us both fired. <laughs> Subsequently, the zookeeper was so caught up with the appearance of having a diverse, full collection of animals that the principle of authenticity mattered very little. In contrast, Jesus, he turned culture upside down as he cared very little about the appearance. But the value and the principle of authenticity was something that he lifted up high. And as we dive into Matthew 6 this morning, we will find Jesus' principles on giving. We'll find Jesus' principles on prayer. And we'll find Jesus' principles own forgiveness. And we'll begin by uh, unpacking that first uh, point is that Jesus' principles on giving. Uh, and again, we're picking up in the sixth chapter of Matthew this morning, uh, beginning in the first verse. But before we go there, may we go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, you are good. We love you. Uh, we thank you for your mercy, for your grace, your love, and your kindness. God, I thank you for each and every one that's here today, God. And God, we pray, God, that uh, you would speak. And God, that you will anoint our ears to hear everything it is that you would speak. And God, that you will anoint our hearts to apply all it is that you would speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, uh, picking up in, in the uh, first verse of chapter 6, it reads, uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you go, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret 
will reward you. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. If I can bring to your attention in verse 2, and go ahead and highlight or underline, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Uh, and, and here, Jesus, he moves from addressing the Jews' misinterpretation of Scripture uh, to now to the principles that uh, he, he's instructing them to live by. And, and he instructs his followers to be on watch in the ways that they lived before others. Uh, and he opens up the chapter in what may appear to be a contradiction to his previous statement on letting your light shine. And, and it's interesting because in, in one instance, Jesus said, let your light shine before others. And, and in this instance, it seems like there's a contradiction. And in verse 1, again, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And, and, and so what is the difference between being light and practicing Righteousness before others. We really need to begin to think about this because when Jesus, when he, when he asked his followers to be light in the world, he wasn't asking them to be light in the world specifically uh, 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 to, to pretend to be something that, that they were not. Essentially, when he asked them to be light, it's a posture of being and not a posture of doing. There's a difference between being and, and doing. We can do things, but it, that, it says absolutely nothing uh, about our posture of our heart. And so, so Jesus, he instructs his followers to be, be light in the world, but, but in this instance, he says, I don't want you practicing your righteousness in front of others simply just to be seen because it's no longer about the posture of a heart. It's about a posture of appearance. Like I need to look good. I, you, you know, and some of y'all, y'all women know, y'all, y'all, you get up in the morning, you make sure the hair is good. You, you're not going to be seen any kind of way. You, women got to take care of themselves, right? Like me and we can get up out of the bed and we're like, like you know, we, we could just go. Are you running late? But, but some of you women, you wouldn't get caught dead with, 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 without, you know, with some people say, I got to put my face on. I got to put my hair on. And, 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 but, but, you know, this is, this is not necessarily the way Jesus wants us to practice our Christianity. There's something to be said about authenticity. It's okay for people to know that there's some brokenness in you. And oftentimes we want to hide our brokenness. We don't want people to see and we don't want people to know. And one of the things that, that breaks my heart the most is I, 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 you go on Facebook and you can see people, they look like they in love. They got all these pictures of, of how good their family look. And next thing you know, you hear about them going through divorce. I'm like, how, how is this possible? Because we live in a society where it's okay to put on the fake face in order to save face. But, but Jesus said, I don't want you to practice righteousness before others. If you're going to be light, it's because that's exactly who you are. Isn't it interesting that light don't have to try to figure out how to be light? You turn it on, it just comes on. Unless, of course, it's, it's blown. And if it's bonus, it's, it's something else. But, but light never has to stop and pause and figure out, let me figure out how I can pretend to be light. 
No, light just becomes light. And, and, and so here Jesus is, he, he's, he's, he's speaking to a posture of the heart as opposed to a posture of public opinion. We're not, not uh, you know, posturing yourselves for the sake of public opinion. Subsequently, Jesus, he's willing to challenge a socially accepted cultural norm of culti- cultivating an image for good. It was, it was socially acceptable in this time for, 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 for religious people to cultivate this image of righteousness. It was okay because everybody else, and you know, this is why I say we got to be very, very careful of what everybody else is doing. You know, and sometimes, you know, me, me and when Diddy and I are driving and it's time for us to park somewhere and, 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 and you know, we go through this thing, it's like, you know, I don't mind parking far away because I don't want to get a ticket. And, and then there's this thing, it's like, uh, I'm like, well, this sign said we can't park here. And she's like, well, everybody else is parked here. <laughs> I'm like, when we just go back and forth, I'm like, but, but the signs say we can't park here. You know, well, everybody else is parked here. And I'm like, we but everybody else I think gonna get a ticket. I, I'm gonna park around the corner. And you know what? I, because I, I, I just don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Everybody else might be going to hell. I don't want to go. Uh, and so, so here's the thing. Jesus is speaking against what appears to be socially acceptable. So you can only imagine uh, uh, the kickback that he's getting from some of the religious leaders because it was okay to put on your best face in front of other people. It was okay to put on your best image in front of other people. And Jesus like, don't practice it uh, in front of other people specifically just to be seen. 2,000 years later, Jesus is still challenging this socially acceptable cultural norm of cultivating a positive image. And in the day and age of, of social media, I mean, it's, it's gone wild. It's, it's gone absolutely wild. Nothing but a positive image. Time in and time again. Time in and time again. And, 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 and further in verse 1, Jesus says... There is no reward from your Father in heaven when cultivating a positive image of self. Essentially, your reward is the public opinion. It's it's the image that you created for yourself. And it's interesting that Jesus is is talking about a reward. he's, He's talking about a reward, but he says the reward for practicing your righteousness before other people is is, is, is simply uh, uh, other people's positive opinion of who you are. What a waste of our relationship with the Father. That I use my relationship with the Father to impress you. Like, and you can't do nothing for me. You ain't going to pay my bills. Might not even like me. You don't even like my posts. (laughs) But yet I'm going out of my way to take my relationship with Jesus to impress you. And Jesus, he instructs his followers to to, to avoid this very thing. In verse 2, after warning them on what not to do, he gives his followers instructions on what to do. Look look what he says in verse 2. In verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Interesting. It was a custom for some in Jesus' day to draw attention to their giving so they would be known as generous. 
You know, and, and it's interesting, you know, I, 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 I often call myself, and this is probably going to be the first time y'all hear it, I call myself the black charismatic white evangelical. I exist in both worlds. I, 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 and, and, and with that, in black charismatic church, the, 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 the big thing is, 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 is the prosperity gospel. It's one of the things that has been preached on and talked about and why evangelical church, the big thing is, is generosity. And, and here's the thing, and, and, and both comes from this, this, this whole mindset. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being prosperous, and there's nothing wrong with generosity. But when we do it for the wrong reasons, it becomes a problem. It, it, it becomes a problem. And in this situation, it says their giving was done simply so they could appear to be generous in the eyes of other people. That was a problem then, and it's still a problem today. Like, we still sound trumpets on our giving, like when we do mission trips. You know, I got, I, I got a whole lot to say about mission trips. I mean, the, the American church spends billions and billions and billions of dollars each year for a one-week mission trip to paint the same fence over and over and take pictures with poor kids. <laughs> like, y'all, I know y'all, hey, I'm going there. Well, look at, look at me with all the feeding all, all of the poor kids. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm saying that's, that, that's a good thing to do. But I think what we find ourselves doing that's socially acceptable is for us to take pictures of it and post it up on social media. That tends to be a problem. So again, we can look at what they did in yesteryear and say, man, Jesus was really hitting on them because they had some problems. But we've got to look into the mirror and say, how is this, how's this hitting us today? How's this hitting us today? And again, Jesus is speaking to a posture of the heart. And so when we give to the needy, Jesus is like, man, you know, everybody don't have to know about it. it could, again, it could be something that is a, 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 a posture of the heart. However, Jesus, he commands his followers to avoid sounding the trump when giving to the needy. In fact, at the end of verse 2, he says the reward for their giving is the applause of man. Isn't it interesting that Jesus keeps mentioning reward? I, I need to point this out because he, he mentions this a number of times and he says, the reward for your giving ends up being the applause of man. And, 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 and this is being spoken in a sense where, so what, 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 what can I assume here? The assumption is, is, is I can get my award from man or I can get my reward from God. And, and, and so Jesus, he, he begins to speak to this and in verse three he says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So when you go on your mission trip and you help all those needy people, they're like, you don't even got to post it on Facebook. Like, but that's the best part of the trip. <laughs> like, what are you doing to me? Uh, uh, he said, you ain't got to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And, 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 and here's the thing that is that that we do it to them and we do it for them as though we're doing it for the Lord. Here's the beautiful thing because it's my, the, we gotta pay more attention to our relationship with the Father than we do on what it looks like to other people. 
And so, so what would it look like if, if, if what it looked like to other people was like, man, I was just the worst thing in the world to other people. But to Jesus, Jesus was saying, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Would we be okay with that? Uh, and, and it's crazy because we live in a society where we would have some problems. We'd be depressed because people don't accept us and, and people don't, don't like what we're doing and all of this and that. And, and, and you know, that, we got to understand who it is that we serve. We are servants of the most high God and we do it as though we're doing it for him. And following his previous pattern, Jesus, he warns what not to do before instructing on what to do in relation to giving. Consequently, our giving should bring glory to God rather than having others glorify us for our generosity. And, you know, uh, speaking of some of my church experience, I mean, there's been times that I've been in church and, and it'd be a great message and we feel the spirit is in the air and they playing the music uh, playing, and, and feeling good, feeling like, man, God, the spirit was high up in here. I'll do anything for Jesus in this moment. And then somebody gets up and says, God told me there's 10 people in here. They got a $1,000 gift. I want you to hold it up in the air. Hold it up in the air. And... And you look around the church and you see actually people holding their $1,000 gift up in the air. And I'm looking, I'm man, look at all these people that got $1,000 to give. These people are so amazing. They're so generous. They're, they're, so, they're so generous. But, but according to Jesus, he says the reward for their $1,000 gift, and that's a big gift. For their 1000 he said the reward is the people saying, wow, look at those generous people. Look at that amazing, amazing thing. And you know, at, at Bridge Builders, one of the things that, that, you know, it gets me, it really gets me because we receive so many anonymous gifts. And I, be wanting, I just want to call the people and say, thank you. I want to say thank you, but, but I can't because it's anonymous. They gave the gift and, and, and in some cases, it's, it's some large gifts. And, 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 and it, it blows my mind that we live in a culture where, where you lamb blasted because you, you, you can't wrap your mind around that somebody would give such a large gift and to do it anonymously. I don't get the opportunity to say thank you. But again, when we do it as though we're doing it unto the Lord, it looks much differently than how it's carried out than when we do it because we want the praise of man. And, 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 and so here's the thing. Jesus, he, he, he speaks against that. And he says, the giving that you do should be for the glory of God. Like when people see your giving, it, they, they, their response should be, I glorify God for this amazing thing that has transpired rather than glorifying you. Because at the end of the day, the reason why we glorify God is because if he put you in a position to give, if he put you in a position to give, to be able to bless somebody else, should you be glorified or should God be glorified? So we can't put ourselves in a position where we're stealing the glory of God. And, and, and so this, though this section is specifically on giving, there's a greater principle here. Again, we do everything as unto the Lord. In Colossians 23 and 23, Paul says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto men. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so everything that we do, like 
And, and this, again, this goes beyond just my giving. This, 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 this goes beyond uh, uh, anything that you could imagine. It's my interactions with the world that I do it as though I'm doing it unto the Lord. And my job, I do my job as I'm doing it unto the Lord. Like my relationships, I, I, I operate in my relationship as I'm doing it unto the Lord. When I give, I give as I'm doing it unto the Lord. It changes the entire dynamic because it, it has absolutely zero to do with what people think about me and how people feel about me. But it has more to do about my posture and my relationship with Jesus. Subsequently, as we do our alms of giving as unto the Lord, here's, here's the thing. There is an actual reward. Now, I know, in, you know, in, in most cases in the evangelical church, uh, we don't want to talk about a reward because the evangelical church and the, the black charismatic church is kind of at odds when it comes to giving. You know, in the black charismatic church, it's, you give to be blessed. And white evangelical church, it's um, you give to be generous. And so these two ideas tend to kind of collide with one another. But, but here's, here's the thing. Jesus says that there is a reward. We don't do it just simply to be rewarded. But Jesus says there is a reward. So I'm not going to just because I'm afraid of the prosperity gospel, I'm not going to just like I don't want my reward. It, 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 it just comes automatically when you give uh, 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 as though you're giving it unto the Lord. There is a reward. And, and again, I can't make this kind of stuff up. In verse 4, Jesus closes saying so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will what? Wait, what does it say? Okay, so I'm not going to eliminate that, that part of the passage because I'm afraid of the prosperity gospel. So here's the thing. We can get our reward from man or we can get our reward from, from the Father. What that reward is, I don't know. But if it comes from Jesus, it must be good. <laughs> it must be good. All I know, if he say I got it coming, I want it. You know, if you go into a store and they say all customers get 25% off and you don't get yours and then somebody tells you, you get your 25% off, you're like, man, no, I'm going back in. I want my 25% off. I want what I got coming because Jesus said I got it coming. And so not only uh, does Jesus have principles on giving, but uh, the second point we see in this passage, Jesus also had principles on prayer. Look at what it says, picking up in verse 5. It says, and, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will what? Reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. If you're following along in verse 6, I want to bring to your attention, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Again, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. I, I grew up on the King James Version. The King James Version would say, go into your closet 
Go into your closet and pray. Uh, And so here Jesus, he transitions from principles on giving to to principles on prayer. And interestingly, in both cases of giving and prayer, he warns his followers, followers to avoid doing it like the hypocrites do. And it's amazing that Jesus continues to mention hypocrites. And what does it mean to be a hypocrite? A hypocrite means actor. And the, the world is my stage, and I'm an actor. <laughs> and we, we got some good ones in the church, y'all. We got some good ones. Pastors, bishops, apostles. We got some good... Uh, y'all know I go there. We, but, but Jesus, he warns against his followers operating as the actors do. Uh, In verse 5, Jesus said, you must not be like the hypocrites. It might be socially acceptable to do what they do, but according to my kingdom, we, no, no, no. We we, we don't roll like that. In the second part of uh, verse 5, Jesus, he provides the reason why. He he says, for they love to stand. Uh, I'm sorry, he says uh, um, in in, in in the second part of verse 5, I'm sorry. He goes on and said, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Essentially, their prayer, here it is, their father. They have this, this open dialogue with the father. And they would use their prayers. They would use this opportunity to have open dialogue with the father to impress people around them. Here it is. You have the ruler of the world. His ears is wide open to you. And you would take that opportunity to impress a whole bunch of mortals. And Jesus is like, man, I, that ain't what I want you to do. And, 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 and note that for the third time in five verses, Jesus mentions a reward is connected to his principles. So as Jesus, again, keeps speaking about these, these rewards, sadly, Jesus is responding to the fact that, that many We're praying not to be heard by God, but only to be seen by others. What what a travesty. So so in verse 6, he says, but but when you pray, oh yeah, but when you pray, he said, said, go into your room and and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. When when nobody is hearing, and not not, not like the King James Version when it says, go into your closet, because there's some times well, you've got to go into your closet when, when man can't help you, when, when mama can't help you, when, when daddy can't help you, and you don't have the answers. Sometimes it requires us to go into our closet. Don't matter what the church folk think about me. Don't, don't matter what the world thinks about me, but, but I need to get something up to the Father. In other words, Jesus, he's pushing his followers to a secret up close, intimate, one-on-one conversation with the Father. I wouldn't change that for anything in the world. Me have been posed the question, if you had one person that you could meet in all of history, unfortunately, many people would say every name except Jesus. Oh, I wish I could meet Michael Jordan. I wish I could have met... Jim Brown, I wish I could have met Michael Jackson. I mean, we'll just go on and on and on. But, but here's the thing. When you really begin to think about that, if there was one person that, that would give you their ear, 
Do you not know that you have access to that every single day? For the most powerful person in the earth and in heaven that you can, that, that can have that you can have their ear for a moment. And not only that, you ain't coming to them as some weirded out stranger or, or some groupie. And like, like, he knows you. Like, he knows you. Like, this makes it even more exciting. Not, not only do he know you, he loves you. He, why would I take that opportunity to impress you rather than to use that opportunity with someone who knows me, who loves me? to make my request known unto him. Jesus mentions a reward again at the end of verse 6, saying, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Subsequently, Jesus continues to speak against this wrong posture of prayer. And in verse 7, he goes on to say, he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and this is interesting as well. In, in other words, long prayers of repeated requests ain't what moves the Father to hearing you even more. So Jesus, he's given us some instruction on, on, on how to pray. And oftentimes, I, you know, sometimes I see people sitting around and they're waiting on the elevator. And they just keep pressing the button. Keep pressing the button ain't going to make the elevator come faster. <laughs> And, and, and unfortunately, sometimes we can be like that with our prayers. Uh, because one of the things that's interesting with our prayers, you know, the, the, we're actually supposed to believe what it is that we pray for. And if we believe what we pray for, we don't say that Jesus, heal me, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, heal me, Jesus, deliver me, Jesus, deliver me, Jesus, deliver me, Jesus, deliver me, Jesus. I, I, and, and, and so Jesus, he's, he's speaking like, I, you, you don't have to continue to repeat. Actually, you can use some of that language. After you pray for yourself, you can pray for somebody else. Use some of those words with, with praying for your city, praying for your leaders, praying for your children, praying for your parents, all of those things. We can use those words to continue to pray for somebody else. And Jesus is like, you, I, you, you don't have to use a whole bunch of repeated empty phrases when you're praying to me. Why? Because one, he knows you. He loves you. And he has a desire to see good for our lives. Consequently, Jesus, he guides his listeners into a posture of knowing that God understands your needs. In verse eight, he says, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This is, a, I, I pray that this gives somebody peace. Like, when you don't have enough money to cover your bills, it's like God knows, he already knows that you don't have enough money to, to cover your bills. When there's some sickness that's going on in your body, God already knows that there's some sickness that's going on in your body. When your children are wayward, God already knows that my children are going wayward. And, 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 and again, it, it's some soulless in knowing that the Father already know what my needs are. And I, and I love what the scripture says when it says that sometimes we don't know what it is to pray for. So the Spirit makes intercession for us. Oh, it said the Spirit makes intercession for us when I'm... I'm praying for, God, I need you to do this for me. I, I want to marry him and want, all of these different things. And, and the Spirit's like, ah, it may not be what you need. 
Because sometimes we don't know what it is to pray for and thank God that we got a father who knows what we need. Because there's some things that we want, it ain't necessarily what we need. I love Jesus. <laughs> and so not only did Jesus give us principles on giving and principles on prayer, he gives us principles on forgiveness. Let's pick up in verse nine. Look at what it says. He says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, may the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his word. In verse 12, I want you to highlight, forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Also want to just throw out a, uh, a, a note here. You know, I'm, I grew up on King James and, you know, we teach out the ESV and every so often the ESV do a trick on us. <laughs> and it, it took out Took out for thine is the glory, the power, forever and ever, amen. Uh, so, yeah, that, that ain't in there. Ain't in this. Uh, uh, but, but, but anyway, uh, here Jesus, he moves from speaking on the posture of prayer to speaking directly to what to pray for. He has already made it known that God knows what we need before we pray. So in verse 9, he directs his followers on how to pray, saying, pray then like this. And he speaks, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so he's, he's, proper, he's teaching us how to properly address our Father and, and how to give glory uh, to his name. And in verse 10, he instructs them to pray, saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and here's the thing, I just want to point this out. It's not as if he could not make his kingdom come on his own. He didn't need us to pray for it. It's not as if he couldn't allow his will to be done uh, on the earth without our prayers. But, but here's the thing that I want you to understand is he's teaching his followers how to pray. And, and, and so when we're talking about his kingdom come, because, uh, you know, Jesus and John the Baptist, they both preach for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They both preach. So, so we knew that the kingdom had made it down. But what does it look like when the kingdom comes into your life? Essentially, this is what the prayer is, is that the kingdom will come personally into your life. And, and here's the thing when he says, and, 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 and I will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Like, like, you know, heaven has a will that's, that's happening exactly the way that he intended it. On earth, he gives man free will. Man can choose and do exactly what he wants to do. But as we pray that prayer, what does it look like when his will is done in my life? And it's so difficult that we got to pray for it because in most cases, ladies and gentlemen, we are our worst enemy. The reason why we, God's will is not being done in our life is because we're too busy pursuing our own will. Our will gets in the way of his will. We have a fleshly will. 
but he has a will for our lives that's, that's much different than the will that we have for our own lives. And, and so, so, so he's instructing his followers how to pray, that, that God's kingdom will come into my life personally and that his will would be done in my life. And this is a mouthful, again, because it ain't like God can't make his kingdom come or will be done without our prayers. Yet the difference between his will in heaven and earth, again, is the free will that he's given man on earth. And in verse 11, he says, give us this day. And it's interesting because when we ask for this day to be given to us, it's not a foregone conclusion that we just have the opportunity to live out today. Unfortunately, somebody somewhere in this earth is going to lose their lives this evening. They're breathing right now, but this evening... Some may lose their life. So God said, I want you to pray. Give us this day. He said, I don't want you to worry about all of the things that's transpiring in your life. He says, give us our daily bread. Like, make provision for me today. Day by day. I don't have to have a billion, gazillion dollars in the bank because I know that God can provide for me day by day. And in verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And this is where it gets tough because he goes into this. This is a prayer. He wants us to pray that, that, that we are forgiven as we forgive others. Like, I, I'm, in, in many cases, I'm almost scared to pray this prayer because there's some people in my life that I'm having a hard time to forgive. But he says, I want forgiveness to be conditional. He says, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. And this is, this is really, really interesting because even in verse 13, he said Jesus emphasized forgiveness more than anything else in this prayer. And this, this goes to tell us uh, in Matthew 18, Jesus, Peter asked Jesus, said, Lord, how often can my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he asked seven times? And Jesus like, no, I tell you seven times 70. Like he did it to me over and over and over and over again. And, and Jesus is now tying. He said, there's a reason why I told you I want you to be light of the earth. There's a reason why I told you I want you to be salt of the earth. There's a reason why I told you I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you because I need you to forgive. And if you don't forgive, like, it's our forgiveness and our imperfections. All of those things are tied to how it is that we interact with others. And, and, and according to Jesus, not only are his followers required to forgive, but our own forgiveness is conditionally tied to it. In verse 14, he says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. He says, if. In verse 15, he closes. But if you do not forgive others their trespass, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I, I, like, I, I, I got to stay here and pause on this just for a second because I want you to understand the seriousness of this. We're talking about Jesus who's willing, who, who paid a, a heavy penalty for what we deserved and who's willing to forgive us for all of our imperfections, all of our wrongs, everything that we've done against them. He's, he's willing to forgive us. But ladies and gentlemen, it's conditional. And so when we say it's, it's too hard for me to forgive so-and-so and this, they did too much to me and they did that to me and this, you know, how many more times do I got to do it? But, but, but he's saying, your forgiveness 
is tied to the forgiveness that you need to give to others. And so just as loving your enemies is difficult, just as praying for those who persecute you is difficult, may be difficult to forgive the ones who are crucifying you. As they're nailing Jesus to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The people who are coming at you don't necessarily know what it is they're doing. I want you to understand that everything, just like there's a good spirit, there is an evil spirit. As, 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 as we allow the Holy Spirit to indwell us, sometimes the evil spirit is indwelling in people that is being used to cause you harm. But God, he wants their soul as well. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you as a tool to be able to win over those that may be causing you harm and would you be willing to allow God to use you? So, so Jesus, he has some principles on giving. He has some principles on prayer. And he has some principles on forgiveness. Would you be willing to embrace those so a dying world would come to know Jesus in a real intimate way. And if you have not taken that step in getting to know Jesus, he's willing and he's ready to forgive you today. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 9, if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that, that God has raised Jesus from the dead, say you shall be saved. You receive salvation today, the moment you make that claim. Let us pray. God, you are good. We love you. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace your love, your kindness, God. We thank you, God, for who you are and the price that you've paid for us, God. Father, we thank you for coming down from your throne, God, uh, to be born a, a man, a, a, a mortal God, uh, and, and to pay the price for the sins of not only me and the rest of us in here, God, but, but the entire world. God, we thank you for it, God. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.